0: Well, welcome to another Super Tuesday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Happy 11th of October to you. Uh, Today is the day that, uh, well, actually, it was yesterday officially that ballots were supposed to go out to all California voters, and uh, it was on Sunday the 9th that uh, ballots were supposed to go out to all of our Colorado uh, listeners. But of course, with yesterday being a federal holiday and, um, of course, the 9th being a Sunday, uh, they really aren't going on the mail till today. So the earliest you would expect to see them is tomorrow. But in the meantime, for that, uh, at the end of the program today, uh, good news, and Tamara didn't know this yet, but I'm sharing it with her now, right as we speak at the start of the program, got an updated edition of Roger's Recommendations. They are at, by the way, they're at thebottomlineshow.com. And uh, we got a, a message on social media, actually a couple of them earlier today from listeners who said, hey, I went to the website. I didn't find them. If you went to the station website, I don't know if Teresa's had a chance to get the links up at the KBride or KCBC sites or uh, who's handling that as a Keith or whatever who handles the KLDC site or the KLTT site. Uh, But please know that the Rogers recommendations that we're doing for this election cycle are for California. If you are a bottom line listener on KLDC or KLTT, Um, John Rush is doing a voter's guide. As a matter of fact, that's going to be part of the topic of conversation. This week on the National Crawford Roundtable podcast, as each of us will be sharing a couple of the issues. Neil Boron from New York, Bob Duco from Michigan, uh, John Rush, of course, Colorado, and yours truly here in the People's Republic of California. And I jokingly, I think I got to that, uh, that line about being the People's Republic and kind of a dictatorial government here um, faster than the other guys did. But <laughs> we're all in pretty liberal states that are rather progressive. So I guess that line could apply to any. And for those who are curious, yeah, uh, we realize that we don't have a communist dictatorship here. Uh, we have a free market economy with freely held elections that can be manipulated. And, you know, it's kind, of a, it's kind of a baby banana republic at this point. And I say that somewhat tongue-in-cheek, but, you know, it's only just to kind of take some of the pressure off of the fact that, yeah, it really does seem like we're heading in that direction. So, addition to Rogers' recommendations, in addition to the propositions— that I've made my recommendations on. Um, I've also added in the House of Representatives races for the entire state. And the reason for doing so, quite frankly, is because it's an unprecedented time in California voting where we, the people, have fewer representatives to take a look at. I also realized, too, and I apologize for this, I did not put up recommendations for governor, lieutenant governor, et cetera, et cetera, which I did at the midterms. And I, I want to make sure that you know, those really haven't changed a whole lot. Most of the people that I was recommending we vote for uh, like Angela Underwood Jacobs for Lieutenant governor and uh, Brian Dolly for uh, governor, that type of stuff, Lonnie Chen for state controller that hasn't changed, but I wanted to make sure that was actually on the Rogers recommendation. So it's on there now, uh, take a look tonight, maybe after the end of the program and we should have a chance to finally get that stuff uploaded at the bottom And, uh, keep checking our station websites too. Uh, we've got a lot of real estate uh, demands on those sites. And so I want to make sure that everybody knows uh, where you can click on the link and the banner to do that. Also um, I wanted to follow up on something Steve Gregg just shared uh, a moment ago. If you listen to the narrow path on uh, KBRT in Southern California, I know the narrow path there is on different times. Like for example, in KLTT, the bottom line shows on from two thirty to three and then narrow pass on at four o'clock. So, I mean, it's it's not just a straight across the line uh, movement. But Steve was talking about uh, young people, and uh, he was mentioning the fact that when he grew up in the Baptist church, he wasn't allowed to uh, make a profession of faith or um, that type of stuff until after the age of 12. And I wanted to share something. I mean, just, just dovetail on what Steve was talking about, because that kind of mirrored my own experience. I grew up in the church. I uh, My dad was a choir director, a minister of music, as it were, at uh, every church that we went to. And so I just kind of grew up thinking, well, my dad directs choirs. He was a high school choir director when we were really younger, and then he became a music educator. And then he um, uh, was also a, a choir director, minister of music at our uh, whatever church we were going to at the time. And I remember being... I, I I think I was baptized or presented for dedication. They called it baptism when I was probably around two. And because uh, my mom kept talking about how heavy I was when she was holding me there for that. Um, and then I got my first Bible at the age of eight, like a lot of us did. You know, if you grew up in the 60s, when you were around third grade, you had to recite the 23rd Psalm in front of the entire congregation. And they gave you a copy of the Bible. And And we got the Revised Standard Edition. That was the, that was the new hip and happening Bible right around the time the Living Bible was making its debut. But by the time I entered middle school, I was 11, 6th grade, getting ready to go into middle school. That's when I made my first profession of faith. And I did so thinking, you know, pretty much like a lot of kids. And Steve talked about this, too. Uh, I'd be curious. We should do a survey sometime. How old were you when you became a Christian? Because uh, I, it, it's interesting to me how many people will say, oh, yeah, I was baptized at eight days. I was, became a Christian when I was three. Um I freely admit that I professed faith in Christ for the first time publicly when I was 11, but I did so not under duress, but rather, I think, under false pretenses. I thought, hey, being a Christian means you don't do bad things and you go to church every Sunday and you don't swear too much and you were born in America. Hey, you know, what I mean, that's really about the, the, the extent of my faith in Christ the true transformation happened just shortly before the start of my second year in college. I was almost 19 years of age. And that's when the Holy spirit spoke to me and I received the gift of faith, which gave me the ability to receive the gift of salvation. And so I, I'm glad Steve brought that conversation up because I, I think it was it was so valuable to be able to have the dialogue. I, and, and, and I, again, I'm taking nothing away from anyone who uh, would profess faith in Christ and say, I became a Christian at three or four or five. I mean, that, what, what God does in your life and speaks through you to do, I mean, that's between you and God. So I'm not suggesting that that isn't a valid conversion experience. But there's something about, you know, oftentimes in the culture, we make a big deal about uh, coming to faith in Christ at an early age. And if you don't get them by the time they're 18, you know, 90 percent of people make confessions of faith by the time they're out of high school. Um you know, sometimes we miss the fact that I think God does some of his greatest work in our later years. Um, toward that end, um, my first guest on the program today, we have a couple. We're going to talk about election stuff with George Barna on the other side of hour number two. But my first guest is a young man from right here in Southern California who uh, understands what it's like to uh, be filled with the spirit of, I want to serve my company, my country but then also someone who understands the role that faith plays and how that faith really comes to life. His name is Fernando Arroyo, and he currently works as the Veterans Program Director at Step Forward Academy as a coach and mentor for veterans transitioning into civilian life. But to do so, he walked through literally, he says, the valley of the shadow of death as someone who said, I want to serve our country, I want to be involved in combat, and then what it did to him in terms of PTSD, what it did to his faith, what it did to his ability to provide for himself and his family. He's written a book about his journey. It's called The Shadow of Death, From My Battles in Fallujah to the Battle for My Soul. We have a link for this book up at the thebottomlineshow.com. And on the other side of this break, I want you to get to know this uh, pretty remarkable young man who understands that uh, when you are serving our country and you're putting yourself in harm's way uh, for the betterment of mankind, If you survive it, sometimes there's a line in a song by uh, uh, one of my favorite groups in the 1980s called Big Country. And they had a song called Where the Rose is Sown, which is about the youthful enthusiasm of young people who would go off to war. And this is back in the 80s. But in England, I guess, the UK, there was a a draft, basically, so you really didn't have a choice. And then the line about uh, what happens to those who don't come home from war alive. Um, He says, you know, if I die in a combat zone, box me up and send me home. But then he, Stuart Addison, the lead singer, adds the line, but if I die and still come home. I thought, wow, that that was deep. That always hit me hard. I think of the young people who will go off on a cause and then the effects of what impacted them when they saw what they saw. They see death and destruction and they know they're fighting for a noble cause, but they see pure evil that they're fighting against. And. Just because they didn't physically die doesn't mean something spiritually or emotionally doesn't happen to them. And Fernando Arroyo is taking his faith in Christ into a new combat zone. And that is helping veterans who come back from war and are facing thoughts of suicide, homelessness, and uh, using a faith component to work in this capacity to help them. Uh, The book, The Shadow of Death, From My Battles in Fallujah to the Battle for My Soul by Fernando Arroyo. It's up at thebottomlineshow.com. We'll take a quick break, and when we come back, Fernando joins me to talk about uh, this remarkable transformation that God has brought about in his life. That's coming up next as The Bottom Line continues. Well, special guest joining me today here on The Bottom Line Show for a special conversation about what's happening in the world of veterans, what's happening in uh, the military as we know it, and how one man uh, found himself in the theater of war not realizing that the real battle wasn't so much for whether or not he was defending his country, but the real battle was for his, his soul. Uh, Fernando Arroyo considers himself to be a privilege, of course, to have served our country. Uh, he now works for at, at the Veterans Program, uh, as, excuse me, as Veterans Program Director at the Step Forward Academy. He's a coach and a mentor for veterans veterans transitioning into civilian life and uh, helps them develop a, a career path to the basics, things that we don't think about on a regular basis but he has a remarkable story to tell and he's written about it in a brand new book called the shadow of death from my battles in Fallujah to the battle for my soul we have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com Fernando Arroyo welcome to the bottom line show it's
1: good to be here thank you for
0: having me it's good to be here uh, to have you here and it's also good to know that next time we have you here you can just get on the 55 and head south because we're so we're we're practically neighbors (laughs) as we're just discovered here (laughs) on the phone Hey, tell me about your yeah. career. No, so First of all, since you are a Santa Ana guy, is it Santa Ana High, Santa Ana Valley, Saddleback? Where did you go to school? Did you grow up in this area?
1: No. So I grew up in Bell Gardens, which is okay. by East LA. And sure. I've lived in Santa Ana now for, uh, it's been a little over a year. So okay. uh, I, I used to work for the Orange County Rescue Mission, so I moved mm-hmm. down here.
0: Sure. Okay. And the and the rescue mission has a really great, uh, well, now I guess that with their connection at the uh, at the Marine station, but, uh, uh, you know, kind of a Santa Ana Tustin type of feel. And, uh, so I'm, I'm sure you love Orange County way better than Los Angeles County with your one year down here.
1: Right? <laughs> it, yeah. It has its perks.
0: It does have its perks. That's for sure. Hey, what led you to the military life? Are you from a military family originally?
1: No, I'm not. Um, my parents came from Mexico and, but growing up, I, my parents taught me American exceptionalism. They, um, you know they came here for a better life and this is the greatest country in the world and growing up and understanding that i watched um you know i I played soldier as a kid and i watched operation desert storm on tv as a kid Mm. and what fascinated me were the guys on the ground fighting shooting and maneuvering on the enemy and i thought man that's so cool you know here i am a kid playing you know soldier with toy guns but this is a real thing yeah and I always looked up to the, the men and women in uniform and uh, eventually my time would come to join.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What, uh, what,
0: what were the, what was the the landscape like? I've talked to a number of guys who said, I saw nine 11 and that was the, what drove me in, or I saw, you know, desert storm and that's what drew me in. You've had kind of a history of growing up, but was there one trigger point for you, Fernando Arroyo that said, I, it's time for me to sign up now.
1: So as a little kid uh, watching desert storm, I just, I was fascinated by the military, and then ten years later, it's September eleven, two thousand one, yeah, and uh, it, that desire to join never left. But on that day, I knew, okay, I'm going to war. This is it, and mm-hmm. I knew that it was my time to serve. This was, you know, uh, a time that America needed um, troops, and I raised my right hand and said, "Here I am, send me." And mm-hmm. like so many people on September eleven, they felt, uh, you know, this personal calling to to serve and to fight and protect uh, the united states
0: i'm talking with fernando arroyo today here on the bottom line uh his book is called the shadow of death from my battles in Fallujah to the battle for my soul we have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com i found it interesting fernando the term you just used there where you said i I knew i was going to war whereas a lot of people would say i want to join the military i want to serve my country um was there something about the war that that drew you in that said If this is where we need the help the most, this is where I want to be right now.
1: Yeah, I was going to serve, whether there was combat or not. But it just happened that, you know, I'm a a senior at Bell Gardens High School and these attacks take place. And then I remember hearing on the news, America is under attack. And then as, you know, time went on, we found out it was Osama bin Laden in Afghanistan and, you know, al-Qaeda in the Taliban in Afghanistan they were claiming responsibility for the attacks and uh, operations were on their way to go. And so I was going to serve even if September 11 didn't happen, I was going to serve. But <laughs> now it changed because I knew I knew I'm going to war. I'm joining in a time of war. Mm-hmm.
0: Talk about what it was like for you when you first got to the theater there, when you begin to see what the battles were like. What was it like serving <clears> alongside <throat> fellow Americans who'd said, this is what I want as well? Uh, help us understand what it's like for someone who grows up basically on the legend, if you will, on the, uh, the sentiment of, uh, the, and the passion of wanting to go. Once they put a weapon in your hand, what's, how does that change?
1: So uh, what's interesting is as a kid, I saw Operation Desert Storm in Iraq. Then September 11 happened, and they're talking about Afghanistan. But my first deployment was actually not to Afghanistan. It was to Iraq. So I found myself in the place I saw as a kid, you know, and I'm in Iraq, and my first deployment was in Fallujah, Iraq, and it, it was just this uh, this culture shock. I got on an airplane, I landed in the Baghdad International Airport, and next thing I know, I'm I'm in Fallujah doing operations, and it's you know the the people are different, the smells, the buildings, everything. It's a third world country and my life is in danger and i'm serving alongside these guys that also joined after 9-11 and were um you know just like me just trained to fight and defeat the enemy and it was a brotherhood unlike anything i've experienced where it didn't matter what danger we were in they valued my life more than their own and i valued Mm -hmm. their life more than my own Mm -hmm. yeah and even in the toughest situations when it was uh you know we're near death getting shot at. They're, they're right there with me. You know, They're right there. The, um, it's just this bond that was powerful. And it was, a, yeah. it was a really exciting and dangerous experience.
0: Yeah, I'll bet. Fernando Arroyo is the author of the book, The Shadow of Death, From My Battles in Fallujah to the Battle for My Soul. We have a link for that book up at the thebottomlineshow.com. How many tours did you do, Fernando? How, how long were you over there?
1: So, I did three tours. My first was Fallujah, Iraq. My second was in uh, Zerma, Afghanistan. And then my last one was a 15-month deployment to Beijing, Iraq, during what was called the surge from 2006 to 2007. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And so, once once three you finished up, what, three deployments, and once you came back, what was your life like once you came back to the state? Uh,
1: yeah, so after three deployments, I served for a total of over two years of my life I spent in combat. And my last deployment was 15 months. And after those 15 months, I came back, and about a month later, I'm a civilian. I, my, my, term, my time of service is over. Um, I'm going to college, kind of trying to figure out what I want to do with my life. But I, was, I tell people, my body was here. My mind was still in Iraq. And mm. I remember not feeling safe. I remember being hypervigilant. Um, I remember there was like, it was like a song on replay kind of, but it's like, it's machine guns and bombs exploding. And, um, but that's just the way it was. I, I'm just, um, there's a really good scene in the movie American Sniper where Chris Kyle is sitting in the living room on, on a couch. And it sounds like he's watching a war movie but as the camera shifts, the TV is off. It's all in his head. Mm. That's the way it was. It was just wow. this on repeat. So machine guns and stuff, and um, yeah, it was it was hard to adapt. And, and eventually, the the nightmares and the the, the memories of my fallen comrades. I never really got to mourn their loss because, mm. um, you know, we're in war. You have to stay focused on the mission. You shed right. a few tears and then you wipe. You know, you just. Get back out there! You got to fight. This
0: is it. You know, um, I've heard, I've so heard from a that, lot. Yeah, what I've heard from people who have been that one of the challenges that they face is the fact that the timing of what happens is so surreal. Because in uh, my parents' generation, for example, when they were World War II, Korea, that type of stuff, you literally went to war. You wrote letters back and forth. You got them infrequently. You saw what you saw. You did what you did. Two to three years later, you're back home, and no one talked about it now it seems like with facetime and with you know internet all over the world and everything like that you have the surreal experience of fighting these things but then some of these guys who are facetiming with their kids at home back in the states or like you said with death and something that you need to take some time to mourn and grieve you just have to kind of step over and keep going and whether you see i mean I, i'm sure the atrocities of war are something that are that i can't fully appreciate the way you can fernando arroyo but Talk about what it was like for you to get back to the States. You mentioned that you had the the nightmares and things like that. And now you're faced with, okay, do I go back in the military? Is that my new career? What am I going to do with my life? How old were you when this happened, Fernando?
1: When I got out, I was like 23 or 24 years old. Wow. Just a young guy. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I I remember going to college and I uh, attended UC Irvine and I, I finished my bachelor's degree there. Mm-hmm. And I thought I wanted to be in law enforcement, and uh, no law enforcement agent would hire, agency would hire me. I was rejected by, by all of them. Oh. And um, so I found myself working at a wholesale, uh, I won't name the place, but I was a shopping cart collector. Mm. And I remember having a bachelor's degree in military experience and just mm-hmm. feeling like a failure. Mm-hmm. Just feeling so low, feeling like a failure. Um, collecting shopping carts in the hot sun and just thinking... What is the purpose of my life? Why am I, you know, I, I did all this for my country and here I am now collecting shopping carts <laughs> What's going to happen to me? What, you know, what, what am I going to do? What's my yeah. calling? And yeah.
0: Well, a, vet, a veteran with a college degree collecting shopping cards and not that there's anything wrong with collecting shopping cards. But when you think, OK, I am trained for and preparing for and have done so much more than what my current occupation is, there has to come a point where you say, okay, how am I going to move ahead? And that's where the story of Fernando Arroyo takes a very interesting turn. Uh, Fernando Arroyo is with me today here on The Bottom Line. His book is called The Shadow of Death, From My Battles in Fallujah to the Battle for My Soul. Uh, He currently works as the Veterans Program Director at the Step Forward Academy as a coach and mentor for veterans transitioning to civilian life. We're going to hear more about his transition and the journey of faith as we continue. The Bottom Line continues in just a moment.
2: Clients love her. Insurance companies fear her. No other personal injury attorney knows the inner workings of insurance companies like Stephanie Cover of Cover Law. In a cutthroat industry where most attorneys don't even last five years, Stephanie Cover spent 20 years defending insurance companies, never compromising her integrity despite constant external pressure. During those 20 years, Stephanie Cover gained invaluable insight into the tricks of the trade. She knows more about your insurance policy than your adjuster does. Today, Cape Wright's personal injury attorney uses her unparalleled knowledge of the insurance company's playbook to call their bluff every time, even earning the grudging respect from lawyers and adjusters who know they can't get anything by her. She used to defend them. Now she beats them at their own game. Schedule a free, no-obligation consultation at capewrightradio.com coverlaw. She knows the other side.
0: And she understands how the law works too. There've been so many changes in personal injury law just in the past couple of years because of COVID and changes in the economy. Don't try to fa- handle your personal injury case on your own. Make sure you go in with an advocate who understands and appreciates your values too. Stephanie Cover with Cover Law. Learn more at kbrightradio.com forward slash Cover Law. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. A powerful conversation today here on this Super Tuesday. Uh, Fernando Arroyo is my guest. The book is called The Shadow of Death, From My Battles in Fallujah to the Battle for My Soul. We have a link for the book up at TheBottomLineShow.com. And as we talk about Super Tuesday coming up on, uh, well, every Tuesday until the election, November 8th is Election Day, but ballots are going out. And one of the things about the ballots that are going out are important is the members of Congress that you'll be voting for. And I, I just want to take this moment before we get back into our conversation to remind you that Roger's recommendations are up at thebottomlineshow.com. And going up tonight, I took usually I'll pick one or two congressional races here in the People's Republic of California and give you my thoughts on some of them. But because there's been massive redistricting, not because of any sort of political gerrymandering, but because quite frankly, California lost a member of Congress. This is the election where we go from 53 members of the House coming from California to 52. All the lines had to be redrawn. And so, like, for example, if you were uh, where my sister lives in the 45th district, you're now in the 47th district. Uh, People who were in districts that covered just L.A. County are now in L.A. and Orange or whatever. Some are in San Francisco and Alameda together. So it's important. So I, I did. I took some time over the weekend, really hammered through it and put recommendations for all 52 congressional races. In addition to throwing on, I realized that our governor and lieutenant governor races hadn't shown up yet there. So they're on there as well uh roger's recommendations up at the bottom line along with links to election forum from craig huey and uh i voter guide from uh i voter guide.com and uh, my faith votes as well so i encourage you to make sure you are registered and then once your ballot starts coming in the mail this week fill it out and think about fernando arroyo and this what he writes about in the book the shadow of death because we do have a copy that we'll be giving away at the end of our conversation today at 800-227-5278 so i encourage you to uh Uh, Make sure that you're in on that drawing because this book is a powerful one and it speaks volumes about where we are as a nation and how we are, you know, maintain the sanctity of human life, especially as it pertains to the men and women who are literally risking their lives to fight for our nation, defend our values, but that oftentimes are coming home and, you know, they maybe they're body is still physically here but emotionally they're one step away from the possibility of suicide. So, more of my conversation with author and veteran Fernando Arroyo coming up next as the bottom line continues in just a moment. Hey, before we go on though, I want to thank everyone who's been participating our first week of the campaign with Preborn has gone phenomenally well, better than anticipated, and I can only see things getting even better. Now, Preborn is the place where you basically it's as we like to say this is where the mother meets the child for the first time, the ultrasound. This is one of the most powerful ways to make that connection. And your $28 donation literally saves the life of a baby. 85% of the kids that are shown to mom and dad through the ultrasound at preborn clinics across the country uh, wind up uh, being born. Uh, Christina in Laguna Beach called in with a $28 donation. That saves one life. Sandra and Yorba Linda called in with a, an $84 donation. That saves three Uh, Lori and Marietta, with $112 donation, and that saves four. Uh, Irma and Wes Covina, lots of ladies calling in today. 833-850-BABY is the number to call, 833-850-2229, or go to kbrightradio.com. You'll see a pre-born banner there. Click the banner. It'll take you 28 seconds or less to make that tax-deductible donation to save the life of a child simply through showing an ultrasound to the mother. Go to kbrightradio.com, click on the Preborn banner, and make your best gift today. Fernando Arroyo is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. His powerful new book is up at thebottomlineshow.com. It's got nothing but five-star reviews, and I can see why. The book is called The Shadow of Death, From My Battles in Fallujah to the Battle for My Soul. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Fernando, you mentioned in the first segment that you'd recently moved from la county to orange county we're doing some work with the orange county rescue mission you're currently working as the veterans program director at the step forward academy uh talk about what that job entails and how you got there because when last we left you before the commercial break you had a bachelor's degree from uci three tours of duty uh overseas as a military veteran and you were collecting shopping carts at a local supermarket
1: yeah so um I'm collecting shopping carts, and I was miserable. And then um, the statistic is that 22 veterans commit suicide every day. And mm. I've had I've had so many of my friends kill themselves. And it's just so sad. So many of my friends have not made it past the age of 50 or mm. even 40. So um, I remember I reached the point where I thought, okay, it's time for me to take my life. And mm. one night I put a gun in my mouth and. I said a prayer and I said, God, if you're there, save me. But there was no response. So um, with a gun in my mouth, I closed my eyes. I remember I was crying and I thought, okay, this is it. You know, I, I, I did what I could. I lived the life that, I, that was given to me. And um, I, you know, found myself collecting shopping carts. So I'm a failure. This, it's time to end it. When I put my thumb on the trigger, I closed my eyes and I heard a boom. And then I, I opened my eyes and I dropped the gun and I looked around and there was no blood. And as I'm looking around, I'm wondering what's going on. The Bible I had on my desk flew off my desk to the floor. That's the, mm. the boom I heard. So mm-hmm. that's when I, I got on my knees and prayed and I said, God, help me. I need help. And uh, my friend I from high school, he also served in the Army and mm-hmm. he was working for the VA. And he kept reaching out to me saying, hey, you need to get help. You should get help. I know you've been a war. You should get help. And I would, right. you know, brush it off and say, no, it's okay. I did what I was trained to do. I'm a warfighter. I was a paratrooper. That's just, I did what I had to do. Right. But after that, you know, that incident, that moment and the Bible falling off and I just knew, okay, I need help. God saved me and I need to, I need to take advantage of this, um, opportunity. I'm still alive. And, so he reached out to me again, and this time I said yes. And then I found mm-hmm. myself at the VA uh, in East Los Angeles at um, talking to a clinical social worker and just confessing all the struggles I had. And it was just healing, you know, it was just like this weight was lifted and uh, my hope was restored and renewed. It was just, I found that um, I had been carrying all these burdens of war and trauma and when I didn't have to. And getting the help that I need Then I I felt the calling to go to seminary. So I went to Biola University and um, went to seminary. Um, I earned my Master of Divinity in Pastoral Care and Counseling. And it was there at Talbot that I met my buddy Joey. And he was working at the Orange County Rescue Mission. And the week after I graduated with my master's degree, he said, Hey, we got a job for you. Mm. And it was to be the veteran's case manager. So I went from war to overcoming PTSD to now turning around and being a counselor to veterans and helping them, uh, overcome homelessness and drug addiction and all the different things and struggles that veterans and so many people deal with. And yeah. then, uh, yeah. Um, so step forward Academy, I met a friend who started a nonprofit called step forward Academy. And, um, it, what we do is through mentorship and coaching, we help veterans find a career and I remember collecting shopping carts and having no direction, and now I get to meet with veterans and give them direction and help them find a career so that they're successful. And most importantly, through coaching and mentorship, walking alongside veterans so that they're not alone, because the, the transition from military life to civilian life, you, you know, like the, my, from my personal experience, you, you feel like you you lost the brotherhood, and you wonder um, who you can trust. And now I get to help veterans transition smoothly and um, find community. So it really is uh, amazing um, that here I am, um, you know, helping veterans. And I've been at the lowest point, so I'm able to relate to veterans in that way.
0: Talk, talk about this, Fernando, from this standpoint. You said something earlier, and I want you to circle back around if you would. With the veterans have a hard time transitioning, you lose the brotherhood, you lose the community, the people that you know, know what it's like. You know, they've seen what you've seen. They've walked that that walk. They've talked that talk. But then you come back into civilian life. And not only did you go from having a job that has one of the highest uh, values in terms of recognition. I mean, I was at a baseball game over the weekend and they were introducing a couple of veterans, one younger guy, one older guy, 40,000 people in the stands and without even thinking about it they saw the guys with you know a uniform or hat on standing ovation you know everybody i think when you talk to them theoretically says thank you fernando for your service but then when it comes to the practical side you said you there are a lot of veterans are struggling uh, emotionally but they're also struggling financially one of the things you do at the step forward academy is to help them just figure out how to get a career that pays a living wage that puts them in with people who they can actually talk to you know good friends and good influences talk about why that is so important
1: Um, quick story. When I got out of the army, I remember I'm in civilian clothes, right? I, um, so back up a little more on my last deployment, the 15 month deployment, I got to go home for two weeks because if you're in combat for a year, they give you two weeks of vacation, R &R. and R. So I had my camouflage uniform on, I get on the airplane and then the flight attendant comes up to me and says, thank you for your service. We, We want you to move up to first class. And, like, wow. they moved me up to first class, and they treated me like royalty. Mm-hmm. Well, when I got out of the Army, I'm in civilian clothes, and I bought a first-class ticket, one-way first class, from North Carolina to California. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember uh, I fell asleep on the flight, and when I woke up, there's a guy in uniform sitting next to me, and they, they grabbed the mic, and they were like, oh, we want to thank him for his service, give him a round of applause and all that. And that kind of hit me where – Uh, The moment I took my uniform off, nobody knew or cared who I was. That was the feeling. Mm. So Mm. when you have these veterans, you know, getting the standing ovations and being recognized for their service, it really, it is meaningful. It means something because, um, and it's not like I serve so that I can get a pat on the back and, oh, everybody look at me and, you know, no. Uh, But it kind of, less than 1% of Americans serve in the military and, getting out and being out here as a civilian, it's, you know, veterans, there's not that many veterans, less than 1% of Americans serve, less than 1% of Americans know what it's like to go to war. And that's what makes veterans feel disconnected from society. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah.
1: So what I get to do now at step forward is to keep, you know, to connect veterans with veterans and to help them succeed. And that really, um, I mean, what better way to recognize somebody and thank them for their service than to actually help them you know, live a healthy and happy life.
0: I think that's fantastic. And we'll have a link for the Step Forward Academy as well as for your link uh, for paratrooperarroyo.com up at the bottom line, show.com 60 seconds left in our conversation, Fernando. Who did you write the book, The Shadow of Death from My Battles in Fallujah to the Battle for My Soul for? I, I can see that a soldier just coming out needing to transition would benefit from this. I can see how a rank and file You know, old guy like me who never served, doesn't have any military family, can relate to this as well. But I can also see how somebody who might have served years and years ago, who might still be carrying around some of the scars of trying to transition back into society, would also benefit from reading your story. Did you have anybody particularly in mind when you wrote this?
1: Um, Yeah, so I say it's for veterans and their families first and then everyone else. Mm -hmm. For the veteran who is struggling, for the veterans. Uh, feeling like they're alone, that no one understands their struggle. Uh, I do, Uh, and you're not alone. And in order for me to help veterans, I had to put myself out there. I have to let them know what I've gone through and uh, how I have been at the lowest points and felt like I wanted to take my own life like so many veterans do and Mm -hmm. so many veterans know of other veterans that have done it. So this book is for those who are struggling, who have served our country or are serving and transitioning to um, help them understand that transitioning can be hard, but there is hope.
0: Amen. Amen. Well, this is a powerful resource, and I highly recommend it. Fernando Arroyo is the author of the brand new book called The Battle of Death, From My Battles in Fallujah to the Battle for My Soul. We have a link for the book up at TheBottomLineShow.com. Fernando, we'll have to have you back on to talk about your faith journey, too, as well, because we spend a lot of time talking about the practical side of that. But thank you so much for being with us. Thank you again for your service and thanks for uh, your time today here on The Bottom Line Show.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Boy,
0: well, what a great testimony. Love uh, talking with Fernando Arroyo. Uh, Paratrooperarroyo.com is the website where you can learn more about his ministry. The brand new book is called The Shadow of Death, From My Battles in Fallujah to my to The Battle for My Soul. We have a link for that book up at the thebottomlineshow.com and we do have a copy of that book to give away right now. 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278. That's the number to get you through to the bottom line show. And uh, I, I, if you know somebody who is a veteran, if you're a veteran and you would are looking for a way to kind of work through some of the pain, you might still be bearing, even 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years past your service. Thank you for your service. And uh, we will Uh, We will make this book available. As a matter of fact, Teresa, please know that if uh, we get more than one call and we have uh, for for this, I mean, obviously more than one book. uh, If we got anyone who's a veteran, give us a call. 800-227-5278. We'd like to put this book in your hands. 800-227-5278. That's the number to get you through to the bottom line. We'll take a quick break. And when we come back, it is Super Tuesday. Faith, values, God, country, are those really important to American voters? Well, Dr. George Barna with the American Worldviews and Values Study at Arizona Christian University has some fascinating new numbers to share with us with regard to how American people view politicians and the political process, especially as it pertains to the values and how we vote. George and I are going to talk about that on the other side of this break as the bottom line continues. Super Tuesday edition of The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, joined for this segment by Dr. George Barner, the co-founder of the Cultural Research Center at Arizona Christian University. ArizonaChristian.edu is where you can get these reports, and I highly recommend that you sign up for the free subscription. I'm Dr. George Barner. Welcome back to The Bottom Line Show.
3: Well, thanks, Roger. Good to be here.
0: This is America's Value study is, is fascinating, and I love what you've done because you've made it very simple, but you're giving us a lot of research to uh, uh, to uh, cull through here, if you will. Uh, tell, give us a little bit of foundation as to how the research came about.
3: Yeah, basically, America's one commissioned us to try to figure out, is the country as divided as we're always told it is? And we realized maybe the best way to do that is to look at the values that underlie the choices that people are making. And so this is a study looking at 48 potentially core values of Americans and identifying which ones we really do latch on to and which ones we don't care about that much.
0: this is a, a, it's a challenging issue. It's probably even more challenging than if your band has a bass player who's a good singer, should you have him sing and play bass? Or do you bring in a separate singer and let the bass player do his thing? I've always wanted to ask you that question. What's your recommendation for us? These are the internal
3: questions. Yes, Yes, yeah, yeah. And I'll say, if you've got a voice like Jack Bruce, let him sing. If you have a voice I, like Billy Sheehan, nah.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. I was going to say thank you for not invoking Geddy Lee in this process too. I, <laughs> I really appreciate that. I don't even think Geddy wanted to be the lead singer of brush, but I digress. Let's. Well, our values are similar. And so this is why this study is so important, I think, for bottom line listeners as well. With the midterms coming up, a lot of people are asking questions. I mean, Jason Yates at myfaithvotes.org tells me that 25 million Christians just sat out the last election. Didn't even bother. It was they looked at Bush or they looked at Bush. They looked at Biden, they looked at well they looked at Bush too. They looked at Trump and they said, "I don't want any part of this." Tell us what your American Value Study is telling us about what voters are looking for. Are we is it a hopeless cause for the body of Christ to find people they can actually vote for?
3: No, it's not, but Roger, I think one of the things that this study brings out is that maybe we've been looking for the wrong things. Hmm. When you look at political analysts, they're always talking about the issues, what this guy, what that lady believes about this issue, that issue, and the issues are critical. I mean, that's how the politicians represent us. But the way that we as voters probably would do a better job of picking our leaders is if we actually look at the values that are in the mind and the heart of those leaders, not so much at the issues, they'll find a way to wiggle out of voting for what they said they were going to vote for. Right. But if you really understand what's going on inside of them, who they are, what defines them, what kind of world do they see, do they want to be a part of, do they want to help build? That comes from your values, which ultimately comes from your worldview. So we really want to get inside their head and heart, not so much to understand, are you going to vote yay or nay on this, but what really matters to you? And that's where values come in. And that's what this study looked at 48 different values that are important to Americans. And they're telling us, you know what? I want people who are going to represent me. And what I'm telling them is, okay, then you have to find people who reflect these same values.
0: Yeah. And that's a, an important distinction Dr. George Barna makes in the American Values Survey uh, number two report, as up at the bottomline show.com, especially when you take a look at the number of people who seemed to think, okay, I'm going to vote for this guy because whatever. And you begin to realize that a lot of people, I mean, I'm sure there are a lot of people who cast their vote for President Biden on November 3rd, 2020, not realizing that he was going to, they're, they're shocked, they're surprised that he's actually acting the way he is. Yet when those of us who knew going in, okay, this is the party platform, this is what we've heard this guy do and say in you know in, in congressional situations, and then as vice president, there wasn't a whole lot of surprise. But More and more, George Barna, I I love this report because it does two things. First of all, it talks about the values that we are looking for. But then secondly, it also talks about the least compelling values of Americans in 2020 and 22. And I want to focus on the good part first, but we definitely need to come back around to the part that is inconsequential. Walk us through some of those values that you're saying there's a lot of commonality here with regard to what the American voter, and especially the Christian voter, is actually looking for in a political candidate.
3: Yeah, and Roger, what we discovered is that when we gave people a, a way of gauging values and we said, all right, tell us which ones you'd be willing to die for, wh- which ones you'd be willing to sacrifice for, which ones you're willing to argue on behalf of, but maybe that's about it, which ones don't matter to you, which ones you couldn't care less about. So we're giving them this continuum of ideas about how to respond to these 48 different values we pose to them. What we found is that far and away the number one thing that americans value is family hmm. now again if, if you look in the mainstream media you'd never be led to believe that but right. this is something that drives who we are and the reason why this is important in a political season is because it tells us okay if that's your key value your, your maybe primary core value you've got to start asking questions that help you understand. How is each of those political leaders that want your vote going to protect your family? How are they going to guide your family? How are they going to serve your family? How are they going to resource your family? How are they going what are they going to do to other people who are trying to take away the authority for you to make the decisions for your family? Those are the kinds of things that we need to be looking at, as opposed to, you know, what are you going to do about the yen if it's going up faster than the dollar? You know, I mean, that, that's not the key issue here. The key thing is, if, if this is what matters to you, who are you going to find who's going to protect it? We found there are other things that matter, too. Nothing quite to the extent of family, but things like happiness. Now, this is constitutional. You know, you're guaranteed the opportunity to pursue happiness in this country. And so who's going to maintain those kinds of freedoms for you to determine that, yes, I have the ability to pursue those things. You know, we we found that there are other things related to personal character that are tops on the list, you know, way up on the list in terms of what matters to us, personal character and goodness, things related to opportunities for personal growth and expression, freedom, independence, justice, stability and trust. These are the values that define America, and it's important to know these things, because one of the things that I discovered here, uh, David Barton and I, a a few years back, had done a big study where we looked at what were the values that made America America, when you look at colonial Americans, what were their core values now. The Gallup poll wasn't around them, so I couldn't just go to the archives and pull out the data. So we had to spend a lot of time going through documents of what were people saying at the time, what kind of people were they voting for, what was being preached about, what was being taught in the schools, what did families talk about at the dinner table, you know, thousands of documents trying to figure out, okay, what seemed to be the core values. Interestingly, what we found is when I look at the 10 core values of colonial America half of those are still in place today. Wow! Those represent the DNA of America. And so I believe it's incumbent upon us as voters to say, these things have made America, America. Let's continue to look for leaders who believe in those same things and let's keep them in office.
0: Dr. George Barna is the Director of Research and the co-founder of the Cultural Research Center at Arizona Christian University. We're talking about the America Value America's Value Study uh, whose vision and values will prevail at the polls this November. We've got a link for the second report from the American Values Study and the first one as well up at thebottomlineshow.com. You know, everything you're describing, George, I mean, it sounds, um, uh, we're both about the you know same generation. I could just see the new Christie minstrels all playing acoustic guitars and singing like to teach the world to sing. I mean, it really does seem like that moment. Everyone's sipping Coca-Cola and having a great time. How did we, I mean, uh, this is a huge question to ask in 90 seconds, but it seems as though I mean, I'm looking at the church first and foremost, that there's been a bit of a wedge between the church and the culture that says, well, we're the church and we don't do what the culture does, or we adopt all the wrong parts of the culture and say, hey, the church could do this too. It seems as though the church could really go through a bit of a reset right now. Is that what you're suggesting? Is yeah, very much
3: so. And, and so if we understand the core values, if they're consistent with scripture, great, let's hold those up and say, yeah, let's go for it. And if they conflict with scripture or they even have that potential, it's a teaching moment for us. It's an opportunity to show people this isn't who we want to be. It's not who we've been called to be.
0: You know, it's interesting. One of the the, the positives in terms of the government that Americans would be more likely to support talks about religious liberty and religious freedom. And the fact that you say at least three-fourths of the people that you surveyed in your recent study uh, said, I support that. And it didn't necessarily say i want everybody to be christian it said the study said i want everybody to have religious freedom and religious liberty and it seems like whenever there is attack an attack though on faith it's usually geared right at us because we're the biggest target or because we're the most obnoxious in terms of religious liberty in your opinion.
3: and there are of course a lot of opinions about christians in america and one of those that's popular is that we're hypocrites right so you know we got to clean up our own house it's important, though, even looking at this value study, one of the things we talked about was biblical morality. And I know we got to take a break. So we may come back and talk about that. But but that's one of the things that Americans are saying, Nah, I'm not that into that. I don't think that's something I'm necessarily looking for.
0: Hmm, interesting george barna is our guest today here on the bottom line the co-founder of the cultural research center at arizona christian university we're taking a look at their brand new study the american value study which is up at the show.com especially as it pertains to election 2022 more of this conversation in just a moment as the bottom line continues welcome back to the bottom line show i'm roger marsh super tuesday edition of the broadcast and my thanks again to george, dr george barna for being our guest uh, we're going to have uh, keep George around for the next part of the uh, uh, the program here to continue this conversation about the values that drive us at the polls. And of course, if you want to take a look at the uh, latest edition of Roger's Recommendations, check out TheBottomLineShow.com and you'll find it there. We're still taking your calls for Fernando Arroyo's outstanding book, The Shadow of Death, From My Battles in Fallujah to the Battle for My Soul. 800-227-5278. Phones are open for a couple minutes more if you want to get in on the drawing for that, and you know, it's, it's interesting because, and I mentioned too, if you're a veteran, you're, or you, if there's a veteran in your household, just call in. I think we're going to send you a copy of the book because th- this issue is so important. I know a lot of people are dealing with PTSD. Uh, some are veterans who are dealing with it. Others are dealing with it because of toxic relationships, maybe a bad situation with your church. Maybe you're still a little shell shocked out with the 2020 election. I mean, let's, and you might be sitting on your hands right now saying, I don't know if I can go through this again. May I encourage you, brothers and sisters, to not be part of the statistic Jason Yates at MyFaithVotes.org cites regularly on this program that there were 25 million Christians who did not vote. I know the system isn't perfect, but we have the best chance for speaking our values into the election cycle. And, you know, people are going to argue there's no presidential candidate to debate this time anyway, so you don't have to worry about the, gosh, who do I vote for? Neither one of them seem that great. But this is a chance to vote our values when it comes to the propositions, when it comes to the men and women who will be uh, taking up their seats in Congress come January of 2023 and, and making decisions as to whether or not to go to war or provide aid for certain countries or things like that. These are all important decisions. And you may feel like you're the lone wolf in your area where everybody's so progressive and I'm conservative and how, does my faith even matter? And or you might be the one, you know, let's face it, 28 percent. Counties in California have a conservative majority. They're just smaller counties. And we cover most of them here on the Bottom Line Show. But there are probably some people right now who are thinking, the question, does it matter? Does it matter? And I can assure you that even if you vote and the tally doesn't go your way, please rest assured that there is an audience of one who's watching. Every thought that we have, every word that we speak, every action that we do or don't take. I saw a great quote from Brad Hansen. Uh, who's a regular here on the bottom line show was talking about people who give to charity. He said, look, if you're spending more money on entertainment than you are on charity, you're take a look at your values and ask, which is more important. And I take a look at your vote. What's more important. The fact that you did vote and your, your candidate didn't win or your issue didn't win or that you didn't vote. And then it didn't happen. Uh, Take that responsibility seriously, brothers and sisters, get the best information you can. And please cast your vote on or before November the 8th. For our KCBC audience, enjoy the rest of your day. We've got Rabbi Schneider and Discovering the Jewish Jesus coming up next for you. Uh, For those who remain on the network, more of my conversation with Dr. George Barna talking about values and voting. It's coming up next as the bottom line continues. Want to continue receiving income into retirement with little market risk? Dennis Wilson and Wilson Financial Services can help you secure a permanent income and benefits, addressing your risk tolerance with professional advisory knowledge.
4: You have a large 401k or IRA as your retirement nest egg. How about a four-dimensional plan that will pay you and your spouse income for life without stock market risk? How about we include inflation benefits so your income goes up annually? How about we include extra income benefits for long-term care? And if you need one or both, you both have it. That's right, permanent income inflation benefits, long-term care benefits, with no market risk. We have put over $50 million of our client's money in the 4D account in the last few years. These clients are sleeping way better at night. Learn more when you call Wilson Financial today at
0: 800-696-9970. 800-696-9970. Wilson Financial, for simply better alternatives. Dr. George Barna is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marshall. We're taking a look at the American Value Study uh, that was published recently by the Cultural Research Center at Arizona Christian University. Uh, ArizonaChristian.edu is where you can sign up to receive these these new updates that come just about every month, sometimes every other week. Uh, This is America's Value Study. a national study of core values in the United States in 2022. As Dr. Barna was mentioning before the break, One of the things that you found in surveying Christians and asking them what their values are and surveying others who perhaps are outside the faith, you're finding that a lot of the values are very similar. And this kind of echoes back to something you discovered shortly after the election of Joe Biden in 2020 was the fact that about 80 percent of Americans were really on the same page whether it's Republican or Democrat, didn't really matter. But we're all pretty much on the same page. There's just a certain measure of divisiveness. And before the break, you mentioned that the issue of biblical morality sometimes is the wedge that drives people apart rather than bringing people together. Talk about what you meant by that.
3: Yeah, well, it was interesting when we asked people if biblical morality is one of their core values. What we found is less than one out of four Americans said it was something that they would fight for or die for in order to defend and protect it. Only 17% additional to that said that they would sacrifice precious resources to make sure that it was operative in their life. So we're looking at a minority of Americans, four out of 10 roughly, who are saying, yeah, that's something that really matters deeply to me. Mm -hmm. And in digging into that, what we discovered is that's because, first of all, they don't understand what biblical morality is. But secondly, the prevailing perception of biblical morality is that it puts unnecessary limits and boundaries on you rather than providing you with freedom to be who God made you to be and to experience the greatness of life that he intends you to experience. People are saying, well, no, that's one of those things that probably is man-made and is putting unnecessary boundaries on my life. Uh, Remember something that they're much more likely to fight or die or sacrifice for is happiness And they're looking at biblical morality, at something that might be holding them back from experiencing the kind of happiness Mm -hmm. they think they want. Mm -hmm. And so there's all these conundrums built into this value system that Americans are proposing. There's some great things in here, some not so great things. And again, to me, it goes back to the worldview from which our values come. And when you recognize that 88% of Americans are syncretists, That is, they've got a worldview that's just picking and choosing from all kinds of different life philosophies. Maybe a little bit of Bible here, a little bit of Marx there, a little bit of postmodernism over here, a little bit of New Age on on the other hand. And you throw it all together into this syncretistic worldview. This is the kind of value system you get, one that's sometimes internally contradictory. And yet, that's that's how we live our lives.
0: It's interesting because, as you mentioned that, two things come to mind first and foremost well this is what makes me happy so please don't deny me my you know constitutional right to life liberty and the pursuit of happiness but also too, the fact that as we in the body of christ often discover i'm it it doesn't cease to amaze me and i'm glad it doesn't how many times and i know you've come in contact with this a lot too, george parna when you come across someone who is a a, a well-known christian leader you know apologist bible teacher whatever it is and then they come out of left field with something that just is so you know well synchronistic or syncretistic, I guess is the word, you yeah. know, where you say hey, uh, everything is really good, but I'm also adding this here. And all of a sudden it becomes flames on a Mercedes. It just doesn't look bright. It just, <laughs> it just, it, it's crazy to see this happen. And yet, This is the place where we really have to step back and say, instead of just kind of throwing it all in one basket and saying, you know, I think Ted Cruz is a Christian. So everything he says, I'm going to just go with, you know, I think Marco Rubio is a Christian because I think he's a Catholic. I'm not really sure. Well, at least he comes from a Catholic family. we run a really huge risk as Christians in the political arena, but also just in the world in general for assuming, A, that everybody wants that same biblical morality that we have, but then, B, that we can kind of put those labels on people and not be disappointed when they turn out to have feet of play.
3: Well, and, and regardless of what you think of President Trump, I think he's a great example of what you're talking about, where he pursued a lot of conservative ideals, and many Christians said, oh, my gosh, he's one of us. He's fighting for religious freedom. You right. know, And so, yeah, there are these assumptions that we make that sometimes are true, sometimes they're not. And I'm neither disparaging nor promoting his faith, whatever it may be. I'm just saying, I believe you're right, where we've got to be very careful. And remember that the scriptural exhortation is that we test everything against God's word. And so we don't make those kinds of assumptions, but that we also give evidence through our own lives and choices that we believe the things in God's word and we're willing to live them out.
0: I'm talking with Dr. George Barnett today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. ArizonaChristian.edu is where you'll find the latest edition of the American Values Study, A National Moment of Truth, Whose Vision and Values Will Prevail, especially at the ballot box on November the 8th of this year. Um, The Center of the Cultural Research Center at Arizona Christian is who put this study together. George, it was interesting, as you were mentioning before the break, um, how many uh, people were saying these are the values that we want to see reflected in our candidates. These are the types of laws we want to see passed. Uh, there are also certain parts of the study I thought that were interesting because so many people said these are the things that least animate me, you know, in terms of, you know, things that we would typically think, oh, well, if you're a Christian, this is exactly what you want from a candidate or these are the kind of laws you want to see handed down. Was it a huge difference between Christian and unbeliever in your research, or uh, kind of help us find out where we line up with regard to the culture?
3: Uh, not huge differences, unless you look at a particular segment of the Christian population we call Sagecons. cons mm-hmm. Now, Sagecons cons is an acronym for spiritually active governance engaged conservative Christians, S-A-G-E, conservative Christians. So uh, yeah, we do find that SAGE-CONS were very different from the rest of the Christian body. And they're also, not coincidentally, much more likely to have a biblical worldview. So that's the genesis of the difference between them and the larger Christian body. Sage cons are only 9% of the population in America. Uh, self-identified Christians across the country are about 68%. So you can see there's a huge gap there. Sage cons would be what traditionally maybe we have thought of as evangelicals. But that term evangelical has been so sullied by the media and by politicians and other organizations and individuals, we don't even know what it means anymore. Right. And of course, in our recent study with pastors, we found that when we look at evangelical pastors or pastors of evangelical churches, only half of them, uh, you know, are even the kinds of people that we would say have a biblical worldview. As we study their worldview, fifty-four different questions of what they believe and do. And only 51% of the pastors of evangelical churches have a biblical worldview. Three out of 10 don't even believe that the Bible is the inerrant word of God. Uh, You know, uh, three out of 10 of them do not believe that their salvation is based on Christ alone, you know, confessing their sins and accepting him. So all of these terms, you know, we've got to be very careful with because they may not mean what we think.
0: It's interesting when you look at the statistics and i'm grateful for the way these reports are broken down because i'm a one and two word guy so when you have you know here's the most compelling here the least compelling and there's just community convenience things like that they're easy to read um, i was surprised to see things like tolerance and economic equality things that we hear beaten into our heads by politicians especially on the progressive side of the aisle uh, your survey indicates that most americans are saying nah that's not really where i am i mean i'm a family i'm gonna fight and die for but uh, tolerance or cultural diversity, not really that important. Help us in the church understand why we need to know that, because I have a feeling there are a lot of pastors kind of chasing their tail after what we might consider wokeness in the culture, because they think that's what the culture is really requiring.
3: Yeah, and it's a great point, Roger. One of the things that that I found so intriguing is that so much of what we've been beaten over the head with for the last five, six, ten years by the radical left who control the media and much of the narrative frankly about what culture is all about and where it needs to go and who we need to become most americans still haven't bought into it even after uh, at least a decade of this kind of indoctrination mm-hmm. so you've got things like unconstrained sex uncensored entertainment universal empowerment strong government eliminating hierarchies I mean, these are some of the kinds of things that most Americans are, are, you know, giving the thumbs down to and saying, no, that's not at all what we want. You know, we want family, we want happiness, we want independence, we want our freedom, we want integrity, we want leaders who are being elected to serve us. Not to pad their retirement accounts. Yeah. So I mean there's a whole different way of understanding what Americans really want. And part of what I hope this study helps to do is let us know if that's what you feel, if that's what you believe, if that's the kind of country you want, you're not alone. And so don't give up on, on looking for those kind of leaders and encouraging those kinds of public officials. When they do the right thing, it's the same thing when the pastor really, truly preaches the word of God, you know, with with, with the heat of the Holy Spirit behind him, it's like go up to him or her afterwards and say, you know, praise God, thank you for letting us hear that they need to know that yes, that's what we want. Not the you know normal drivel that you hear in some places
0: yeah, that's for sure and to my earlier comment about singing bass players which we have to tie this up together somehow um, when I first started playing, I was in a band and I used to sing and play I didn't even think about it I just did the two together It didn't occur to me how difficult it was until someone pointed it out. Now it's been such a long time since I've done it and I kind of get the feeling that the mix you know of having to do the two together is something I'm really I've got to retrain my brain to do George Barnum, in the last 60 seconds it seems like we as American Christians, when it comes to the electorate, when it comes to voting, kind of are finding ourselves in that situation, and we're not quite sure if we could do this. Give us some encouragement that we can find common ground. We might even find, i dare I use the U word, we might even find some places where we could bring our nation together with us being the instruments of unity and peace and, uh, well, cultural community for no other
3: reason. Yeah, and, and Roger, this is an important time in America's history. Everybody keeps hearing that. But it's a, an incredibly important time for the biblical Christian community to stand up and be involved and let our views be known and not be embarrassed or ashamed or guilty about it, right. to be proud of it because that was the foundation of the country that's what made the country great that's why it's lasted almost 250 years and so for us to stand up for those things now and to recognize that when we do that it's not going to divide the country that's what our opponents want us to believe they're dividing the country by saying that we exist. Right. And in point of fact, we are the heartbeat of the country. And so it's imperative that we stand up and be proud of that and, and do Jesus right in this day and age.
0: Well, as long as that heartbeat is still detectable and still traceable, then that means that there's a presence here. And, and I, the last time I checked, the church's heart is still beating, though sometimes the culture doesn't want to hear it. But uh, this American Values Survey and study that Dr. George Barna and his team at the Arizona Christian University Cultural Research Center have put together is uh, literally job one for us as Christians to read this, understand it, and then to act upon it. Uh, Dr. George Barna, always a pleasure. You guys do such great research there at uh, Arizona Christian. We're so grateful for our time. Each and every time you get a chance to uh, zoom in with us here, not only on the Bottom Line Show on the audio portion, but also now on myhopenow.com. Dr. George Barna, thanks for being with us today here on the Bottom Line.
3: Well, thanks, Roger. Thanks for letting me talk about it in America's One Commission study. We're grateful to them, too. So we'll see you soon. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. And that's a, a it's important to remember uh, who invests in these surveys to make them possible. You know, there's cost that goes into it. And uh, we're grateful for uh, One America for getting into that. Uh, find both of the two reports that have come up at the thebottomlineshow.com. We have a link there as well as uh, more information on how you can start receiving those uh, updates as soon as they do come out. Hey, let's take a quick break. And as we continue, uh, we're going to take a look at uh, some more Rogers recommendations as we are on this Super Tuesday edition of the Bottom Line Show. And remember, you can find my complete listing at thebottomlineshow.com or in just a moment as the Bottom Line continues.
5: Newport Bay Mortgage will steer you in the right direction toward the truth about reverse mortgages. Owner Cliff enjoys educating every client. And wants to debunk the misconceptions you may have heard. You'll see that an FHA approved reverse mortgage gives you financial freedom. You can use it to pay bills, cover unexpected expenses, or watch your children and grandchildren enjoy themselves while you're still alive. Cliff informs you of the facts. Drawing from his 40 years of reverse mortgage experience, you must be 62 years or older for the FHA program and at least 55 for a conventional high volume program. It doesn't affect any credit score points and can even be refinanced after one year. When considering ways to enjoy your liquidity in, before, or for retirement, you need Newport Bay Mortgage. Contact Cliff today. Visit kbrightradio.com reverse. That's kbrightradio.com reverse or 714-741-8080. NMLS 332959. Newport Bay Mortgage, an equal opportunity housing lender.
0: You know, it's interesting when you think about the living legacy that we often think about. We want to leave a legacy for our kids and grandkids. But by tapping into your home's equity through a reverse mortgage or a home equity conversion mortgage for purchasing a home with a reverse mortgage, you can do the living as well as the leaving. Learn more when you go to kbrightradio.com forward slash reverse. My thanks again to Dr. George Barna for a great conversation about values and voting. Uh, make sure if you did not have a chance to uh, hear the entire uh, conversation here on Terrestrial Radio, that you go back to TheBottomLineShow.com or go to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, wherever you find us. I know you can find the National Crawford Roundtable podcast on Spotify. I still haven't found The Bottom Line Show there yet, but I'll be honest with you. I'm not quite sure how it got there. Cause we didn't put it there, <laughs> so, so, but you know, that's the nature of the beast. I, I get email all the time from people saying, Hey, I, I found your podcast on just notes or just the notes or whatever. I'm like, what the heck is that? There are some places that actually even transcribe the shows. Um, it's, and this is the way, you know, when consumer driven uh, media is the order of the day, you find people who are the consumers, the ones who like you're listening to the program right now. So technically you're consuming the media. But people are generally, you know, more inclined to take what we produce here on the Bottom Line Show every day, and they take it and do whatever they're going to do with it. So, uh, and we're not proprietary. I mean, I I figure this is kind of Jesus saying, cast the seed wherever it's going to be sown, and some are going to land on the pavement, some are going to land on the rock, and some's going to land on the lousy soil, and some's going to land on the good soil. So, uh, we're grateful, though, for what Dr. George Barna is bringing to our Super Tuesday broadcasts. Uh, talking about the uh, fascinating studies of how many Americans value family and faith and religious liberty, even if they're not religious. And yet, if you listen to the uh, echo chambers of the totalitarian left, and to a certain extent, the hardcore right, you know, just everyone's out to get us. Uh, Yes, our values are under attack. But the good news is, in the same way that one day all of our works are going to be tested, put through the purifying fire and what's gold and silver is going to get drossed down and built back up again. And the impurities would be taken out. It will stand the fire, but whatever's hay and stubble is just going to get burned up. We have the opportunity to proclaim the good news of the gospel and do so in a way, knowing that the word's not going to come back void. The word of God says the word of God will not come back void. And for those who are looking at you know, our, our faith from the standpoint of, you know, does it line up with the culture right now? Culture changes constantly. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So, you know, we don't have to worry about those who might say there are changing views of the Lord and changing opinions and, you know, our, our, our values are evolving. They're not. See, here's the thing. Your opinion, my opinion might change over time. Do I look at this word of God differently now at 61 than I did at 16? Of course I do. I'd like to think I've grown a little bit, but toward just a hair. Um, Lisa and I had the privilege of uh, being grandparents over the weekend. I mean, we're grandparents right now, but uh, Isaac was with us. His mom and dad were in town for a wedding. And so he got to spend the night and it was kind of a fun deal. And we were commenting on how much he has grown since the last time we saw him, which was three months ago, right before he moved. And, you know, he's taller, he's stronger. He's more articulate. I mean, not that he's, he's always been kind of an articulate kid. Didn't say much until he was two, and then all of a sudden, bang, 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 here come those words. And we're looking at Zipporah coming up now at 18, 19 months and going, well, buckle up, because here comes another one in that same in that same season. But we get it. You understand it with kids. You see that kind of growth, and you expect to see them mature, develop with languages and reasoning and stuff like that. You would hope that we would, also have that same experience in our faith. But remember, and this is where our human fallacy gets in the way. It's not, oh, well, God changed because obviously this is different and that's different and whatever. No, we're the ones who have a different view of him. And hopefully it's a deeper and more intimate relationship with him, not one that says, you know, I really love following God, but I can't be too close to that sin and salvation stuff. Because I mean, that, 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 that I used to believe that when I was younger, but now not so much. We all have improper beliefs of God when we're younger. I mean, especially when you come at the relationship with God from the standpoint of, um, you know, I want what I want when I want it, and I love God if he gives me what I want. But as we get older, isn't it interesting to see how many Americans in this survey of George Barnes, actually, family's the number one value. Religious liberty is really important to people. You wouldn't know it by watching the nonstop media dribble. But then again, we are grateful to be one of those places where we can actually offer some good and godly and helpful counsel. Uh, by the way, congratulations to Barry from Costa Mesa and also Cliff from Rancho Cordova. didn't mention this earlier, but they are both uh, winners of the book by Fernando Arroyo, who is my guest in hour number one of the Bottom Line Show. Uh, Fernando is uh, now serves as the uh, Veterans Program Director at Step Forward Academy as a coach and mentor for veterans transitioning to civilian life. His book is called The Shadow of Death From My Battles in Fallujah to the Battle for My Soul. Uh, The book's up at thebottomlineshow.com and uh, uh, Barry and Cliff are both veterans. And so I appreciate you guys uh, listening to the program. I I hope this interview was a good conversation, a benefit to you, and that the book will be a huge resource uh, to help you in your uh, continuing not only walk with the Lord, but also as you work through the issues that you may be carrying with you for as long as you've been carrying them uh, statistically, we know that everyone who uh, experiences the theater of war, at least even for a short period of time, comes back a changed person. And what you see, obviously, is that uh, you know war didn't change. Unfortunately, sometimes it does, but uh, uh, you know there are still, I think, some justifiable reasons for it. And there are also some reasons that people go to war that that are reprehensible. Um, but when you see that kind of loss and that kind of tragedy. You begin to realize we were not equipped for that. We were not made for that. We were made for Eden. We were made for perfection with the Lord. And so when we do experience death or destruction or you know things like that, um, it's difficult for us to process because uh, A, it can be rather horrific, and B, because we weren't designed for that. So get the help you need if you need help. And uh, Fernando Arroyo at uh, paratrooperarroyo.com is a great resource to look at for that, for help for veterans. We'll take a quick break, and as we continue, a final observation about Roger's recommendations on this Super Tuesday, that's coming up next as the bottom line continues. First, though, I want to thank some folks for doing something that I think is huge, and that's literally standing in the gap for our friends at Preborn. Now, Preborn is an outstanding organization that helps, basically, uh, with mother and children getting to meet. 100% tax deductible, and 100% of what you donate to Preborn goes to buying ultrasounds. It's really just that simple. Um, what is raised here in Southern California stays here. There are a lot of organizations that will do fundraising and then the gifts go everywhere. But here in Southern California, pre-born, here we go. Uh, there are some areas in the United States where there are more abortions than live births. And I hate to say it, but there is one state California that actually has one of those deadly zip codes. Now past, the passage of the law that overturned Roe versus Wade, there is a greater demand for abortions. People are willing to travel to states to affirm it. So Preborn here in California in particular is even more important. As women are coming into the state, they think they want an abortion, they go to a pregnancy center that has an ultrasound because they partnered with Preborn, and the benefits there. $28 saves one baby's life. Call 833-850-BABY to make your donation. 833-850-2229. Call now. Let Wilson Financial Services help you identify proprietary financial strategies for your wealth that work for your life.
4: Let's revisit our one-year CD. Had a client who had $500,000 of retained earnings in his corporation for the last three years. I said, if you'd have put that into this account three years ago, you'd have seventy-five dollars to $100,000 of interest versus what you have now, which is a nice round number. Had a client sell his house, had 450000 in the bank. I told him, you're really not likely to buy a house in the next 12 months. You want to leave this in the bank earning nothing? Or would you like to earn some interest on it over the next 12 months? So he said, How much? I said, Well, how about between 20 and 30,000? He says, Zero versus 20 or 30,000. Yeah, he says, I like the 20 or 30,000. Sounds better. Aren't you tired of earning nothing with all the money you have in the bank? Call 800 696 9970.
0: 800 696 9970. Or go to kbrightradio.com forward slash Wilson Financial, for simply better alternatives. Welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Uh, Roger's recommendations are up at TheBottomLineShow.com. It goes without saying that uh, I'm not a big fan of Gavin Newsom, so I'm recommending that we don't vote for him again for another term. Um, I'm recommending uh, the same basic components for Lieutenant Governor, Insurance Commissioner, et cetera, that I did in the midterms. If you want to get their names and info, go to TheBottomLineShow.com, and you'll find it posted there, along with recommendations for all 52 congressional races in California. Um, Please know that there are some races where, since it's top two vote-getters, there are some where it's a progressive Democrat against an even more progressive Democrat. That's really toss a coin. There are some Republican candidates that are good and others that aren't that great, but they're better than the Democrats. But let me give you a final uh, pitch here, a final appeal for a vote that that you can cast right now. And it will cost you some money. No question about that. But it's a vote that I think is well worth making because it's a vote that I have seen more and more people uh, make as we get further and further along, closer to the Lord's return. And that is the vote for the sanctity of human life. I want to thank uh, Christina, who called in from Laguna Beach with a $28 donation to Preborn. That saves one child's life. Statistically, 83% of the women who go to Preborn and get to see an ultrasound. Get to see that baby for the first time. Their body, they get to hear the heartbeat. Uh, Irma from West Covina called in with an $84 donation that saves three lives. So did Sandra from Yorba Linda. Uh, Lori from Marietta called in with a $112 donation. Let's get a couple of $140 donations to save five babies' lives right now through pre-born. You know the left does not want women to see the ultrasound. You also know that the left does ultrasounds at abortion clinics. The only person who gets to see that ultrasound is the abortionist, so they know how to kill your child. What are they so afraid of? Why are they so afraid of showing a picture of a baby in the womb to a woman who's about to give birth or is on her way in that gestational stage? The reason is because when mom sees the baby's face, immediately all that clump of cell stuff doesn't matter. That's my son. That's my daughter. And that heartbeat nonsense coming out of Georgia, and I say heartbeat nonsense, with Stacey Abrams is running for governor who actually went on national television and tried to insinuate that the you-can-hear-the-heartbeat-at-six-weeks was made up? I've told the story before, but I'll close the broadcast with it today when my daughter Emily and my son-in-law Brian were about to become parents to the young man who spent the weekend with his grandma and uh, grandpa uh, at here at our home in Southern California. That would be grandson Isaac. Brian had kind of a live-and-let-live live thing about abortion. He it wasn't for him, but he didn't see why, you know— should prevent anyone from doing it. Until they had their first appointment at the OBGYN, did an ultrasound, and he heard the baby's heartbeat. He said, I just burst into tears. And I began to realize, hey, that's my child's heartbeat. And then he looked at me and he said, why would anyone want to stop that? That's a rhetorical question, but it's one that we can keep those heartbeats coming and keep these babies letting their moms know that if you can't raise the child on your own, there are thousands of couples nationwide who would gladly adopt your child. A $28 donation to Preborn saves one child's life, $140 donation saves five, 280 saves 10, 560 saves 20. Go to kbrightradio.com, click that banner for Preborn. It'll take you 28 seconds or less to make your tax-deductible donation to Preborn, Or call them, it's an easy number to remember at 833- 850-BABY, 833-850-2229. Knowledge is power. Life has value. And this is a way that you can cast a vote that will actually save a life now and for all eternity. That's the bottom line.